Well, good morning, church. Worship was amazing. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I'm sure it's good to be watching online as well. I just am not. I'm in the house. Uh, I saw a few people online. Thank you for watching. Um, hello, Tim. Thank you for saying hello. Ralph, drive careful. Uh, we don't want you crashing. I know the spirit is going to move you here in a moment on point number two or three, but still focus on the road. Uh, anyway, I'm glad that you guys are here. We are in a series called Allies and Enemies. It's good to see uh, so many people, old friends, new friends, and then new, new friends, first-time guests that are with us today. The Exchange is a, a place where purpose is awakened and developed. And my goal for us, our time together today, would be that you leave here inspired to trust God more, to step out in faith more, to say yes to him more. Uh, he is a good, good father who knows how to give good gifts. We're a people that believe that. Amen. All right. We are in Allies and Enemies, part three. On part one, I told you that our enemy number one was Satan, and our ally number one was Holy Spirit. Anyone here for that? That was a fantastic sermon. If you didn't hear it, you can catch that online. Uh, there was another speaker last week. Did all right. She um, said that enemy number two was our words. It was really good. And ally number two was our words. <laughs> it was a brilliant message. It was really quite phenomenal. I, there were many people that said they were going to listen to it over and over and over. Someone this week said, hey, Pastor Trey, you know you got to bring it this Sunday because this past Sunday was phenomenal. I looked back at him and I said, yes, Carrie, I know. <laughs> Carrie's my wife. She spoke last week. It was really, really amazing. Today, I want to talk to you about another enemy and another ally, okay? I'm loving this series. Today's going to be good. Father, we come before you today. I thank you so much for just the presence that I feel in this place. There's such a, a sweet presence of surrender and victory. So God, I ask that in the coming minutes, 30 minutes, that you will continue to stir our hearts, God, that you will continue to give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is doing in this place. In Jesus' name, let the church say, amen, amen. All right, let's get right into it because I've got six pages of notes. Um, something in there is bound to be good. Enemy number three. Enemy number three is fake news. Fake news. Now, hold on, hold on. If your mind just went to politics or your least favorite mainstream media, then let's pause to remember that we're in church. <laughs> Tell your carnal man to sit down and zip it because we're going to talk about matters of the spirit today, okay? I'm talking about fake news. Just tell, uh, tell your flesh to wait. His or her turn is coming, all right? Because they are your enemy too. In fact, they come in at en enemy number four, We'll talk about flesh patterns next week. But today is enemy number three, fake news. And when I say fake news, I'm referring to false Christianity, false teachers, 
false prophets, fake Christians, and possibly the most scary of all, self-deception. This is your third biggest enemy that I want to talk to you about. It is robbing from you 24 hours a day. It is stealing from your destiny. It is shortcutting your legacy. And so today, fake news, you know, the imitation stuff, the generic brands, the knockoffs, it's all fake news. And you and I should be able to discern it. We should be able to discern fake news when fake news comes knocking on our door. There's a whole lot of spirituality in the world with not a whole lot of Jesus. There's a whole lot of righteous talk with not a whole lot of scripture quoting. There's a whole lot of scripture quoting with not a whole lot of context. There's a whole lot of looking good with not a whole lot of being good. I hope you get offended by this sermon like I got offended while I was writing it. This, this last one, whew, looking good but being good. The Bible refers that to, to whitewashed tombs. Looking beautiful on the outside, but you've, you're, you're on the inside made up of dead man's bones. It's deception. We need discernment to know if we're fully alive. Are we really alive today? Or we just look like a, a live person that's really a dead man walking. In our text today, some of you are like, all right, pastor, get to the word. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Because in our text today, Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, which is chapters 5 through 7 in the book of Matthew. It is a fantastic uh, piece uh, of just red letters everywhere. All the red letters is Jesus talking. It's a Sermon on the Mount. But our text, I want to home in for a moment on chapter 7, verse 13 through 29, because we come across a section of text that really empowers discernment in our life. I Googled, I looked, I know this to be true. There aren't a lot of books on discernment. You can find books on just about anything and everything in the Bible, but what you can't find a lot on is discernment. So how do we even as a church know if what we're seeing is really what we should be seeing? Or if it's just a mirage, it's just fake news. How do we as a church really know that what we believe is what we should be believing? Or is it just something inside of us that just kind of feels right? This is discernment. And I hope that you and I can begin to grow our level of discernment because discernment is critical in being a healthy Christian. What is discernment? I'm glad that you asked. Discernment is the ability to judge well. Look at your neighbor and say, how's your gavel? The ability to judge well. Now, all through this text, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking about discernment and judging well. And it's so interesting because if you look at the first two words of Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is warning against something. And these first two words, I'm telling you, the world I don't care if they are saved, unsaved, been to church, de-churched, re-churched, unchurched, any of that. They know these two words. The beginning of Matthew chapter 7 says, judge not. The world knows that, don't they? 
Don't judge me. They even know it in the King James Version. Judge not lest ye be not judged. Right? So Matthew 7 begins with judge not. But then around verses 8, 9, 10, there's, there's this shift in the dynamic. And Jesus is actually teaching us how to judge. We get stuck on the judge not, and therefore we accept everything, and our life becomes a mess. You ever had, like, not the right ingredients for the recipe you love, so you throw everything in the pantry in the pot? It's hit or miss. Sometimes it's good. Some of you are brilliant chefs, and you make it good sometimes. If you're like me, you're like, throw that out. There are things that we need to understand how to judge. You can't just let anything into your life. You can't just give everyone on your street a key to your front door. Now, maybe you know everyone on your street, but that's just a phrase. You certainly can't give everyone in Austin the key to your front door, right? You've got to discern who can come and go, what can come and go, what needs to be allowed into your home, what kinds of things are, are in your home that have lasting effects. You should know this. Jesus warns against judging people in the world, by the way. Before you get excited and say, I'm so glad you, says, you said Jesus says we can judge because I've been judging people since I was three. Before you get excited about me kind of giving us an okay to judge, let me explain something to you. You shouldn't judge the world. Never get mad when a lost person acts like a lost person. Our, our judgment should begin in the house of the Lord for people who know better, for people who are in relationship with Jesus, for people who are progressing in their faith. Judgment isn't about calling out sin on someone else. Judgment is about preserving your house, understanding what you're allowing in your door. You know, um, many of us shout amen by the way, whenever, in, in, where is it, Luke 7, where Jesus is talking about giving. Giving, it will be given back to you, a good measure pressed down, shaking together and running over will be poured into your lap. For what measure you use, it will also be measured to you. We get all excited and we're like, honey, let's give big today for what measure we use. It's going to be measured back to us. And we get fired up and we say, amen, because God's going God's to increase our capacity, right? We get excited about that verse. Um, however, the same principle of measure for measure applies to our judgment. Now, I know that's not going to get an amen this morning, but we should understand for in the way you judge, you will be judged, Scripture says. By the standard of your measure, it will be measured to you. So some of us might want to ease off the accelerator on the little judgment pedal. Because the same speed limit you go on others will be gone on you. I know that verse doesn't make you shout amen. It makes you take inventory. But just, you know, the principle is proven in the giving. It's proven in, in this as well, in, in the judgment. We shouldn't judge the world for being lost or be surprised by the world. We shouldn't judge the lost. We shouldn't judge motives of people's 
heart. We shouldn't judge other people, but everyone say, but, but there is a righteous judgment that we should participate in. Some of us throw the baby out with the bathwater because we're so afraid of being labeled a judge. We don't judge anything or anyone, any behavior, any attitude. Do you know what I mean? There is a righteous judgment that you and I should partake in. Scripture is very, very clear about that. The Bible calls it also testing of the spirits. Another word you might be familiar with, discernment. Aha, maybe that's why there are no books about it. Maybe that's why we don't encourage each other with this iron sharpening iron to discern the things of God in our life or the things of the enemy because we're all too afraid of being called judgy judgy. But if we don't have discernment in our life, we have not fully surrendered our life to Christ. The ability to judge well, a righteous judgment is critical in the life of a believer. Now, I want to get to our text and my four points today. And what we read, you're going to see that Christ outlines four tests that will prove your righteousness is truly from God. All right. False Christianity, by the way, fake Christians, false prophets, a counterfeit Christianity will fail these four tests. Are you with me? So if, you, if you're going to fail these four tests, you might need to have a conversation with Jesus before the sun goes down today. If you've allowed certain things in your life or mentors into your life or things into your life that you look up to that fail these four things, this is a good, a good opportunity to reevaluate what well you're drinking from. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. Enter by the narrow gate... For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Narrow is the gate. The first test that you and I must pass if we want our discernment to expose fake news if we want our discernment to prevent deception, if we want our discernment to ensure that our righteousness is truly from God, that you are truly a born again, on your way to heaven Christian, the first test is you and I have to pass the test of self. The test of self. Discernment doesn't function in high levels of self. This is why you should never make any big decisions when you are too angry, too sad, too happy, too lonely, too hangry, to anything. Because discernment is off when you are lost in the sea of self. But we have to pass this test of self. Real Christianity does. There's this guy in Australia, his name was Laurie Oakes, and Laurie Oakes was a political journalist in Australia. Uh, he, it was disco he discovered that there was a running bet on a gambling website concerning what color of tie he was going to wear at the federal elections. So he was covering the federal elections in Australia, 
And there was a, a website, sportbets.com.au, that was saying, you know, go ahead and bet on the color of tie. Some people thought that it was going to be red. Uh, some people thought that it was going to be blue. Some thought green. There were several options, red, blue, black, green, and any other color. Well, he got word, Lori Oaks, that there was a bet on this. And so Oaks wanted to make sure that everyone was right. So during the course of the election coverage, he changed his tie six times. So he changed his tie six times during the program. And sports bet, uh, the bookie was furious. Here's what they tweeted. Here's what they tweeted. A sixth tie for Lori. Enough. Stuff this. We're paying out on all tie colors. They were furious because everyone who placed a bet was winning money. The hard truth is life doesn't always work like that. Not everyone can be right. The truth can't change ties to please everyone. The test of self. We don't get to live our truth. And I'm sorry because I, I love the, the, the catchy slogans and sayings and things that pop culture pushes to the table and it makes me sound hip too. Hey, you live your truth, boo, I'll live mine. We don't get to live our own truth. We get to either live in step with truth or contrary to truth. Come on, church. It's time that you and I pass this test of self. Truth does not revolve around self. Counterfeit Christianity, by the way, lessens the offense of the cross to widen the eligibility requirements. But we read here that narrow is the gate. Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the gate. Now, here's some good news today. At least I think it's good news. This is not an exclusive club. It's just well-defined. You see the difference? God isn't selecting just a small sliver of people to call his. He just laid down the ground rules fairly clearly. And then we have the opportunity to step into the narrow gate. I, I, I want us to all understand that things have not changed. Acts 4.12 is still true. There is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. It is still only through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died for you, who rose again for you, who's coming back again for you. It is only through Jesus that you and I can enter into relationship with Jesus Christ. And narrow is the gate. And it's not named self. It's named Jesus it's no longer about self. When you said yes to Jesus, it's no longer about self. It's no longer being self-absorbed, self-deceived, self-reliant, self-sufficient, self-serving, self-ish, a whole lot of ish. Like so many selves, you can fill in the blank. We enter the broad gate through Self-righteousness, the broad gate that leads to destruction, we can enter that through self-righteousness, being right in our own eyes, being right with our own emotions, being right with what feels good and right to us. 
but we enter the narrow gate through surrender. The first test is of self. I think it's interesting. I'll just throw this on for good measure. The verse before our text began, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, is what we call the golden rule. Anyone know the golden rule? You're scared. Do unto others. Yes, right, great. <laughs> what did that preacher last week teach you guys? She should have taught you the golden rule. No, I'm just kidding. The golden rule that every kid learns in elementary school, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's, a, it's, it's great, but the problem is, is that when we remove the narrow gate concept and we substitute the golden rule concept, we create, um, we create Christian truth and a plan of redemption out of simply being good to others rather than surrendering to Jesus Christ. The golden rule was never intended to be our plan of salvation. Can I get an amen? We should wait or we should no more build our theology on the golden rule than we should build our understanding of the galaxy on twinkle, twinkle, little star. The golden rule is good, but there is still no other name under heaven by which men can be saved. It's not others. It's not self. It's Jesus. All right, on to the next test, test number two that we must pass if we want to expose fake news, prevent deception, and ensure righteousness is truly from God. This is in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 23. It says, beware of false prophets. Say false prophets. And we're going to talk about that. Underline that in your text. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them, by their fruits, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. That's like a tongue twister. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits... You will know them. By their fruits, you will know who? Who? False prophets. Good. It's, we're tying it back to verse 15. By their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. This is scary. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's a little bit scary, isn't it? Like, it wasn't, Lord, didn't we show up to church once a month? It wasn't, Lord, we, we gave an offering when it was convenient. It, was, it wasn't like, you know, like believer 101 things. You know, when you're first starting out and you're taking big steps every day, right? Like the first day you decided to give was, was huge. But in the grand scheme of things, in a year from now, you're going to be, look back and be like, oh, that was no big deal. I thought it was huge. It was no big deal. 
It's not listing a bunch of no, no big deal things. Lord, I, I didn't watch rated R movies, not once. I only watched Disney Plus. I think they might have some R movies. I don't know. But are you with me? They're saying, they're saying like high capacity Christian things like, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Woo! Did we not cast out demons in your name? Now, come on. If, if you're in the room and you've cast out a demon, you already think you know you're going to heaven. <laughs> I mean, I would. I would be like, do you see that? The foaming at the mouth just stopped like that when I walked into the room. I am definitely God's best friend. But these people are saying they cast demons out. And the Lord still didn't know them. Have I done many wonders in your name? And he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is the next test that you and I have to get under. I bet we've, we've got to learn this, church. It's called the test of fruit. The test of fruit. Is the fruit in our life indicative of a good tree? By the way, only you know the fruit of your life, really. Because it's the secret fruit that needs to be tasted. Anybody can go to H-E-B and get some really fresh fruit and hit, put it on a platter and tell everybody else that's the fruit of your life. But you know what's growing from the branches of your tree. You know what you're doing on the computer at 11.30 p.m. Oh, I'm sorry, did I offend somebody? You know the thoughts in your head when you walk into work and you smile and you act like you like people, but you know. <laughs> We've got to pass the test of fruit, church. Listen, I, we can't be okay with pretty bushes and waxing leaves. We've got to have some fruit on the vine. This word false prophet, by the way, does not only mean false preachers, false prophets that you see on YouTube or on TBN or CBN or all these places. It would be really, um, I guess, settling to us if we could just apply these verses to all of those people, those false prophets out there. But here's what false prophet really means. It primarily means false professors of faith in Christ. Now, I know this is heavy and not fun. This is a hard question, but I got to ask you and you got to hear me. Could it be that your lack of fruit is because you are a false professor of faith in Christ? Could it be that the inward nature has not changed? Could it be that you merely wear the outward appearance of a sheep and you call Christ Lord, even do religious things like tithing and going to church and feeding the homeless? Like you look good on the outside, but you're not saved. 
today is the day to figure that out. Not two seconds after Jesus has returned. Listen to me. Listen to me, church. You're sitting in this church. You're watching online. This is a divine moment. We got to figure this out. Are you saved and going to heaven? How do we detect false believers? How do we know? Verse 16 says, we'll know them by their fruit. You should know if you're saved by your fruit. Too many times you and I, we want to look good on the outside, but we are walking around with dead man's bones on the inside. That addiction that needs to get cut off, the pornography that you need to walk away from, it's been too long, friend. The depression that you have just befriended and you're so comfortable with it, that's the life you know how to live. So you've embraced it. Yeah, it creates trauma for you, but hey, the trauma gets you a little bit of attention that you like. I know that's not everyone that deals with depression. Of course, I've walked my own journey with depression. But have we befriended the very thing that God has tried to deliver us from? God won't cast your friends out of your circle. Do you hear me? God won't cast your bad thinking out of your mind. You have some work in this. You have some choices in this. You have some decisions in this. If you choose to be deceived, God won't force you to believe truth. I want you to notice in our text that these people said, Lord, have we not done this? They were actually surprised at the judgment. So we should know something, church. It is possible to fool ourselves. Pass the test of self, the test of fruit. Third test. The next test we must pass if we want to discern fake news, prevent deception, and ensure righteousness is truly from God comes in the next verse, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, look at your neighbor and say, do them. All right, now look at your other neighbor and say, I already did, did you? We are educated far beyond our level of obedience. Most of us don't need more revelation from heaven. We need to walk out what he's already told us. That's the test of obedience. Many of us possibly expect more obedience from our dog than we're willing to give to God. But I'll move on because that one's offensive. Matthew Verse 27, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. As we pass the test of obedience, there's another test that comes our way pretty quickly. And I've labeled that the test of flood and fire. You see, these two builders represent two men in life. They both use the same material and the same plans and the world cannot tell the difference in their two houses. Same position, same everything. There was only one thing that was different. The houses looked the same. You with me? Church, hear me. Foolish men can have beautiful houses. But when the storm comes, the time of testing, the house that's not founded on the rock crumbles and falls. The true Christian, the true Christian, when the storm comes, they don't run away. They don't give up. They don't go back into that thing. They don't say, I can't do this. Are you with me? Now, listen, there's grace in the room for anyone. This is your first day back after saying, I can't do this. I'm walking away. I'm doing, but you're back. You've withstood the fire. You've withstood the flood. You're back. But for those who choose to walk away from God because there are things that they can't comprehend, things that they don't understand, potentially they were surrendered to a false Christianity to begin with. Maybe they were a fake Christian after all. You can go through your Bible and note how many false believers have fallen away. It's pretty shocking actually. I mean, we think of the mixed multitude in Israel who wanted to go back to Egypt when things became difficult on their journey. We think of the many so-called Christians in Rome who deserted Paul at his time of need. Yet note how many of the true believers stand regardless of the test, regardless of the flood, regardless of the fire, they keep standing. They come back to the table. They may push away from the table to breathe, deal with some things with Jesus, and then come back to the table, but they're still at the table. To list a few, we've got Abraham and Moses, Joshua, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Peter, Paul, and many others that prove the reality of their faith by standing through the storm. Fake Christianity isn't permanent. It doesn't have staying power. You ever looked around at someone and you thought, man, they have been through the ringer. This life has been crazy to them. And they're still up there worshiping God. You ever, you ever known someone like that? That's the real faith we're after church. Serving God because he's God, not because our life looks pretty in the moment. I will tell you, the judgment came once by flood. Remember, there's a little story in the Bible where the whole world was flooded. That was the judgment of God. 
there's coming a second judgment of God upon the world. And the Bible tells us it's a judgment of fire. And everything that can be burned up will be burned up. But you know what can't be burned up? The homes that are built on Jesus Christ. The things that will survive are the things that are founded on the rock. That is our legacy. That is our offering to God. Your biggest enemy right now is fake news. It's time to stop lying to yourself. It's, it's time to stop accepting everything that everybody says. And it's time for you to turn to your ally, ally number three. And don't let this scare you because this is my wrap up. I'm not going into a whole nother half of sermon. But ally number three is scripture. Scripture. You want to combat fake news, false Christianity, false prophets, false, false belief systems? Get in the word. Get in the word. Second Timothy 3 16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Read your word, church. It's not just a cool thing to do. It's something that we have to do. We have to read the word of God, especially in the day and the times that we're living in. The enemy is trying to bring deception to your home. He is knocking on your front door. And if you don't know what God's word says about it, you might just be, believe, whatever, fill in that sentence. You might just be believing it, right? Be, 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 believing it. You know why? Because the enemy... Oh man, just like he did when he tempted Jesus. He'll use just enough of truth to make you think that it's all truth. But there are perversions and distortions in what he's communicated to you and you take a bite and you believe the lie. Listen, reading the interpretation of scripture from your favorite blogger is not the same as reading your word. I'll say that again. Reading scriptural interpretation from your favorite blogger or author is not the same and equivalent as reading the word. It doesn't matter if their name is hip and cool like Georgie Shoemaker. It doesn't matter if they've got a following of one bazillion. It doesn't matter if they've preached to a thousand churches and 10,000 continents, right? What does the word say? Because there might just be a day where there is no one within reach that is offering you the truth. And you and Jesus got to get alone in a corner somewhere with your Bible to figure out what's next. Federal agents don't learn to spot counterfeit money by studying counterfeits. They study genuine bills until they master the look of the real thing. And then when the counterfeit comes along, that looks, oh, so just like the real thing because they've spent enough time studying the real thing. 
they can discern what the counterfeit is. All right, let me leave you, leave you with a few practical things and I'm out. I want to recommend to you that you spend some time in your word. If you need some new resources, if there are things you don't understand with your Bible, go to blueletterbible.org, 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 blueletterbible.org. Okay, it's a great resource. You can type in there any word that you want to search in scripture. You're curious about anger, type in anger. It will show you the 123 verses on anger. All right, you curious about prostitution, type in prostitution and it will, or prostitute, and it will show you all the verses about prostitution. You curious about taxes, type in taxes. It will show you, are you with me? There's really just no excuse for not being able to find stuff in the word these days. I mean, that's one really great thing about technology. Thank you, Lord, for that. Blueletterbible.org. Here's another resource for you. Theosu.ca. Theosu.ca. Let me spell that for you. T-H-E-O-S, Theos. And then the letter U, like university. Theosu.ca, like um, California. All right. This guy is a brilliant teacher. I like him a lot. Um, I agree with most. I endorse most stuff that he teaches. Um, If you get a subscription to this, you can contact me. I'll let you know what I don't agree with, and then you can listen to both and make your own decision because it's not salvation issues. One thing's not going to keep you out of heaven. I'll just tell you now, it's the end times. I disagree with him on the end times, but he's still a great guy, and there's so much good stuff there. He explains in little videos about five to seven minutes each so many concepts of the Bible and talks about culture. It's fascinating. You want to know what God thinks about homosexuality and transgenderism? He talks about it in a a very loving, kind, compassionate, very biblical way. You want to know what God thinks about purity culture, sexualism? Theosu.ca. It's brilliant. I cannot tell you how brilliant it is. Now, it's not free. It's $11 a month. Um, so you can sign up and cancel anytime. So if there's like a subject, if you're like, oh, what does he say about Old Testament history? I want to go through that. Or New Testament history. Or what does he say about end times? Because I want to be able to argue with Trey about it. I just want to watch end times. $11 a month, you can cancel it at any time. Okay, so watch the videos you want and then cancel it. I really encourage you to take, take that resource. It's a great way to grow in the word of God. Um, another one that's free, everybody say, I like free, is eSword, eSword.net. It's the letter E with a hyphen, not an underscore, a hyphen, E hyphen sword, like a sword, S-W-O-R-D dot net. That's a program you can download. It's free for the PC. There might be a small cost if you have a Mac, um, but if you have a Mac, you can afford the small cost anyway. It's the Bible. You can read the Bible and every word that you click on, you can open it up to see the Greek or the Hebrew so you can see the real meaning of every single word in scripture. You ever wondered like, what does this really mean? Like it sounds cool, but what does it really mean? Get eSword. It's absolutely free and you will spend hours getting lost studying the word of God. You'll go on so many rabbit trails. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. And then my final Uh, request is that you just journal and pray as you're reading. The Lord wants to reveal his word to you. 
then scripture is our greatest, greatest ally. I love you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for allowing me to speak over your life today. Will you please stand to your feet? As I dismiss you today, I just want to release a blessing over anyone who says, Pastor, I think maybe the fake news is something I just want to be set free from. I've just, you know, I, I believe in Jesus. I understand scripture, but, but there are lies that I've been believing about who I am in Christ. There are lies I've been believing about my purpose in this world. There are lies I've been believing about the people that God's placed around me. If that's you, if, if you're just ready, just for the truth to set you free today, will you just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Online, we've got about 1,500 hands raised. There's seven in the room. Eight, nine, nine. Can I get a tenth? Ten. Hey, ten people walking in new freedom will change the world. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for the freedom that you're helping us to walk into today. God, the lies that we've been believing, living the life less than what you've called us to live. God, not, not standing from a place of victory, but constantly feeling like we're having to fight for breakthrough, fight for victory, fight to overcome. God, it's already been won. The battle has already been won. You've already spoken life over us, Father. You've already just spoken over us the, the newness that we're searching for. So God, give us the courage today to step out of the darkness and into the marvelous light. In Jesus' name, I pray. Let the church say, amen, amen, amen. Give Jesus a hand clap this morning, amen. Hey, thank you for being here today. Thank you for watching online. Service is over, but church is not. Go be the church. Be blessed. We'll see you Wednesday at 6.30 or next Sunday, 10.30 a.m.